0: All right, hey, welcome back to Twibbly or this week was way better last year. My name is Bill with one L with me. He's looking at those waves and saying, Hey bud, let's party. It's Jeff huge Yay! Hey everybody. Yay. Happy,
1: happy end of February to you all.
0: <laughs> uh this this is going to likely be a very short episode. <laughs>
1: In putting together the show this week, I, I understand now why Hollywood studios dump their garbage movies into the middle of February. <laughs> because they figured no one is going to go shovel out their car, even if they live in a warm climate, right? <laughs> no one's going to go outside when it gets dark at early still, yeah. and it's still freaking freezing cold everywhere, and you're just waiting for spring to finally show up. They're, they're going to put out, like, that's where they're going to put out, like, Theodore
0: Rex 2. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The, you know, this horror. week's episode is going to be the the horror movie. Fourth installment sequel,
1: <laughs> right? Or the the renamed like Czechoslovakian science fiction film set? <laughs> Ugh, it's just just terrible. It's a it's, a, it's a it's like the doldrums of the year. It's it's been all the trees are bare and the ground is tan, or it's in the case of here in New Hampshire, there's still four thousand feet of icy snow. <laughs> My neighborhood looks like the set from the Thing.
0: <laughs> Your tauntaun will freeze before you hit the first marker. <laughs> Yeah, February is that's one of the one, it's hard to spell. <laughs> There's this random R thrown in there that that nobody well, nobody from this end of the country pronounces. It's February, right. apparently. I I had, yes. I had no how, idea. That's how the rest of the folks say it. <laughs> my my auto correct keeps going off. I'm like, Stop it. Oh, all right. I'm Stop uh, it. I yep. I had yep. no idea I was an idiot up until a couple of seconds ago.
1: Well the worst part is it does that when you spell match. <laughs> mach. <laughs>
0: let's see what else, what else is going on dude i watched this horror movie i kind of worry about myself sometimes because this came up on one of my recommended movies it's like oh you might like this the, <laughs> and the name the name of the movie was *Lamageddon*.
1: i already like yeah. it it's like snakes on a plane i don't care what's in the movie yeah. but like you've got me you've got me hooked with the title tell me more yeah
0: and like the llama i don't remember it was like louis the llama like, I, did I watch it? Of course I did. So yeah, you, you had me at Llama. Um, right. And, like, Louis the Llama got first billing above everybody else in the movie. <laughs> oh, that's
1: great. Yep. I'm sure that means it's got a super high-quality cast of, uh, of of supporting actors oh, for good old Louis. Oh,
0: there was... I was, like, ten minutes into the movie, and there was already, like, seven minutes worth of, like, padded scenes. And... Like, you know, at the end of the Cannonball Run or certain movies, there'll be like, a as the credits are rolling, there'll be like a small, maybe quarter size of the, uh, or 20% size of the screen, a small window that shows like bloopers, right? Yeah. This one showed the entire movie. <laughs> I mean, granted, granted it was in, it was in fast forward, but it was the entire movie. Like, hey, what are we going to show during the credits? The entire movie. Can we, let's just show them yeah. movie again. can we do such a thing it's never been done before
1: did you do you remember when uh, when the Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie came out this is like 2002 or something yeah the day that it the day that it came out in cinemas they showed it at prime time on Adult Swim, <laughs> but it was in a tiny one inch by one inch box in the bottom left hand corner of the screen <laughs> <laughs> while other stuff was on so it was technically it was broadcast, but you couldn't you couldn't make any sense out of it because you couldn't hear the audio. It was buried underneath the audio of the regular show, and it was it was it was super funny. Yeah,
0: I uh, I'm gonna begrudgingly start this episode. <laughs> All right, All right. Uh, but before we start the episode, I have a trivia question for you. Oh man! All, All right, right. Uh, we know that it is a flock of sheep, right?
1: Yeah, the flock of seagulls. Uh, and actually,
0: it's not a I flock ran. of seagulls. They ran you know, so far away. That's a band, but a, a group of seagulls is not called a flock. Here's here's my trivia question for you, okay? I, it's a three-part trivia okay. question, okay? I like three-part so, questions. So a group, like a group of, of sheep is a flock. A group of dolphins is a pod. Okay. What is a group of seagulls called, and it's not a flock? Furthermore... Parts two and three to this question, what do you call a group of frogs and what do you call a group of monkeys?
1: Uh, monkeys, frogs, and seagulls. All right. Um, I need some time to yep. think about this because there's a yep. lot. There's, there's a lot to unpack. They're,
0: they're three di-
1: I'm going to unpack a flock of seagulls and a load of frogs <laughs> and a ton of monkeys. So <laughs> that
0: shitload is not the, at answer, the end of the yeah. show. I'll give you my examples. <laughs> All right so this is the week beginning February the 22nd whose turn is it, is it your turn it's Your turn why don't you start
1: uh, February 22nd 1888 the father of American golf John Reed first demonstrates golf on a Yonkers cow
0: pasture to friends
1: <laughs> so like we said this is February nope.
0: so this <laughs> <laughs> yeah so let's that off with golf uh, yeah so, now did you say yonk you so- Yonkers?
1: Yeah, yeah, yonkers. Now, golf was invented in Scotland because they have nothing better to do but punch cheap and throw themselves at the freezing cold water. But it made its way to the U.S. in 1888. And I'm pretty sure that John Reed is the guy that started to put together, like, rules and course descriptions and that sort of standardization that makes it a sport and less a walk in a cow pasture to look for a thing that you just whacked with a stick from 60 yards back. Just
0: imagine this. It's like me and you were over there. We're in a big, you know, cow field and you're like watch this i i put this hole it's about the size of a mason jar it's roughly almost about a half a mile away we're going to hit this bu- we're okay. going to hit this ball with a stick and try to get it in that hole and i'm going to look at you straight in the eye and go that sounds dumb i'm going home
1: and i've already stepped in two peak big piles of cow <laughs> shit and my shoes are all smelly so screw you john reed you know what you should invent you should invent miniature golf instead
0: like do you know who hates miniature golf
1: Uh, I think I do.
0: Me. It's
1: me. Oh, Oh. oh my God.
0: (laughs) I cannot stand miniature golf. I remember uh, one time my friends and I were staying up at uh, Hampton Beach for a weekend. Hampton Beach is – there's a lot going on when the sun's out. When it's raining, it's not really that much fun. So we were just trying to kill the day, and we went, like, to this indoor miniature golf course, Right. And we got about the third or fourth hole, and we're like, this is awful. This is this is miniature golf. This is the worst game ever. So we started whacking the ball. Honest to God, we're in an indoor place. We're over there whacking the balls, doing full swings like we're at a driving range. Nice. And the nice balls hand. are just going boom, 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 all over the place. That was the only time miniature golf was anything interesting to me. You know, just, am I going to get hit in the head? Yeah, there's a good chance.
1: I'm usually into it for, like, the first four or five holes. And then after that, it's like, you know, you know what? This is going to be the same for the next hour and a half. Yeah. And and if you drag children with you, as I have been known to do, mm-hmm. it's an hour and a half of, I hate this! This game sucks! <laughs> you yeah, can't find my ball! <laughs> it's like, let me wrap this putter around your neck and just twist it. Um so yeah, it just becomes an exercise in like parental. It's like parental strength training. That's what that game should be called.
0: I took my two godchildren to of golfing one time. The older brother kept teasing the younger sister about how much better he was doing than she was, and she's over there like oh, like on the verge of crying and all that. Crying time, right, right. So I like come on. I grab the kid. I like uh got, got like got right in his face. I go, you listen to me, and you listen to me right now. You will never listen to me. Never be better at this than I am. You like that? Right. You like that? You're never going to be any better, all right? Yeah. You can try all you want. You're never going to be better than this. So why don't you shut up because the best you're going to be is second place today. <laughs>
1: yeah, nice. Way to – and that kid probably shat himself like three, three
0: times. Thought, oh, I'm so sorry, Uncle Bill. Oh, he's like 27 now and bigger than I am. I'm like I'm – like, I am yeah. like, I take it back.
1: <laughs> he's going to come. He's going to come. He's coming for you, Bill. Yep. He's coming, and he's bringing a nine iron. <laughs>
0: All right, moving on. February twenty third, nineteen fifty four. Uh, inoculation of children with the Jonas Salk polio vaccine begins in Pittsburgh.
1: Uh, do you know where that was? Like, was it like a, it a doctor's the, office or what?
0: Well, was it? it? Was well, it was it Pittsburgh for starters? Well, nationwide testing began like two months later. It was like the first successful vaccine for polio. He was also one of those, like, you know, he came up with the vaccine. He could have been a gazillionaire, but he, he, yeah, he just, no, he just gave it away.
1: No, he's like, didn't patent it, right? Yep, it's true. You know why? Because polio sucks. Yep. And if you come up with something that cures polio, you want to cure polio.
0: (laughs) Right, right.
1: So, it's a good guy. Do you, did, did, uh, when you were a kid, did you get your vaccines at, at school?
0: remember doing that? Uh, n- you know what? I don't remember. I, uh, we were talking about the vaccines the other day at work, and I was talking about, you know, people in, in in Generation X, and some of the boomers, too, have that huge scar on their left shoulder. Yeah,
1: I've got that. Smallpox, yeah,
0: smallpox vaccine. Yeah, it almost looks like a belly button. Uh, but that's not just smallpox. That's like, that was like five, five shots of like the, all at once. It was like a, a combo pack. But, uh,
1: small, nah, smallpox is different. Oh, was it? Smallpox, yeah, that's literally, that's a smallpox scar. Okay. The MMR vaccine that used to get me, measles, mumps, rubella, which was a, that was a multi-shot too. Yep. But that went into a different part of your arm. Oh, okay. yeah. I got all of these, including polio, at elementary school. Oh, I went. In Somerset, Mass. Oh, no,
0: see, I went to private school, so we didn't have such, oh. we didn't have such things there. Yeah. Private school, yeah. eh? <laughs> <laughs> We
1: don't need vaccines at private school. No, it was school. a Catholic
0: school. They just prayed for polio to go away.
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> Here's
1: a wafer for you. This will kill
0: you. <laughs> and then I, re- I remember getting my TB shot, you know, the tuberculosis yeah. vaccine. That was the one that went, it was like a booster shot because that's part of the MMR too, I think. But it was a booster shot, for you know, for tuberculosis. And I remember they shot it into my wrist and it was four square, uh, you know, four dots and a square. And I just remember my little brain thinking that it was a TV as in television. And they called it that because it was square, like a television.
1: Now you can't watch TV. I tried, but I can't make sense of it.
0: Yeah, the TV shots now are all in widescreen.
1: Yeah. Oh, nice. it's <laughs> nice. high definition. Yes. Uh, but the funny thing with, like, uh, Salk's vaccine was his was oral. I know the first ones they did, they used to do it in a sugar cube. When I got yeah. it, it was in a little Dixie cup. You know, whoosh, you just drink it. And like, I remember my teacher going, like, just drink it, Jeff. And I'm like, but I don't want to. Just drink it. Ah! and you know it's like i'm not supposed to drink shots in first grade but it's a shot of you know polio
0: and i'm not sure if this is urban legend or if it's true but uh because they put the polio vaccine like on sugar cubes for the kids to take that's where the song "A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down uh comes from
1: oh and in, in, uh in uh mary poppins yeah. i don't know i don't remember if that was before or after the vaccine was invented that that lady wrote the book that that was based on yeah
0: uh, well the song i'm not sure if the song and the book are
1: oh yeah that's true i, I think disney wrote the songs right yeah
0: so. so i'm not sure if it's urban legend or if it's true but yeah the spoon's full of sugar helps the medicine go down uh was written kind of uh about the the polio vaccine yeah.
1: i don't know i'll tell you the story when my, when my mom was a kid she used to she used to have her like her cramps my grandmother would give her <laughs> my grandmother would give her a tablespoon or two of paragoric. With sugar mixed into what? it. Paragoric is tincture of morphine. <laughs> yeah. So. My God. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you what, dude. They had the best medicines when my mom was a kid. None of them were tested on anybody. <laughs> you know, you didn't need a prescription to get them. And yeah. <laughs> she says, oh, it was so good. It was. I just sleep for two days. I'm like, yeah, it's because you were high as hell, mom.
0: <laughs> we whacked on morphine. You were Bella Lugosi and right she out. She riding that horse. Holy cow right now it was like, <laughs> oop, oop. you know all right moving on to the 24th what do you got
1: <laughs> all right it's a rare uh, wartime year story that's that's actually fun to talk about february 24th 1942 the battle of los angeles takes place <laughs> which is a, a series of anti-aircraft engagements over the city where anti-aircraft batteries are firing all night long and searchlights are going all over in response to what is rumored to be a japanese air attack on the city uh-huh. But there are no planes to be to be found <laughs> anywhere. It's funny in that, as the years have gone on, there's a super famous picture of all the searchlights converging on something that's being shot at. That that really it was to repel an invasion from space is one thing, and then and, and others is that it's like mass hysteria from a chemical spill to all kinds of other weird weird ass conspiracy theories that suggest that everybody in Los Angeles like lost their minds for one whole night. <laughs> Yeah, so it's sort of the, the same, uh, that's the event that the, the, the story of the movie uh, 1941 was based on. Ooh. Admittedly, not the same year, but right. yes.
0: 1941 is one of those movies that, like, it's a classic that I really don't know a lot of people that have actually seen it. Yeah,
1: I've seen it. I've, I have the DVD of it. I love that movie. It's ridiculous. I only yeah.
0: wa- I only watched it recently. Like, I, I saw it, like, maybe three years ago for the first time. It was funny. It's, it's amazing how many people are in that movie.
1: Yeah, like yep. the, Christopher Lee, Tashir Mofune, Slim Pickens, Ned Beatty, half the cast of Jaws except for Roy Scheider,
0: the guy, the guy that plays a nerd in every movie, Eddie Deason, yeah, yeah, Deason, yeah, and
1: he's got he's got a puppet of himself, a Marionette <laughs> of himself, yes,
0: from, uh, very, I mean, uh, no, ventriloquist Ventrilo
1: Ventrilo dummy of himself, yeah,
0: yeah, and that movie was directed by Steven Spielberg,
1: yeah, it was his first flop, yep,
0: yeah, in the. Uh, In the canon of Steven Spielberg, 1941 is not something that you actually think about.
1: It's a shame too, because it's an it's an underrated it's an underrated gem of madcap stupid because it's it's got so much going on that's funny.
0: Did he do any other comedies?
1: Uh, AI? (laughs) 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 I don't think he did. I think he left those to like Joe Dante and some of the other guys that he sort of mentored a bit.
0: Yeah, that probably put him off of comedies because it flopped so bad.
1: Yeah, it was a super ambitious movie, though. I mean, it's like it's a ginormous movie with a million people in it and a thousand things going on all the time, and it's it's hard to be funny. Right. It's hard to be funny all the way through with that. I mean, a lot of that movie is wicked funny.
0: Right, and Aykroyd's in that, too, isn't he? He
1: is. Yeah, yeah. so is John Candy, yeah. so is uh, uh, Mickey Rourke, who is a, a non-speaking part, but he's in, like, 50 scenes. Yeah. Warren Oates and uh, What's-His-Face
0: from Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, the the champ, champion skeet shooter.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Him, himself. He plays a general Lemony Stillwell. It's, it's the whole movie's a riot. Yeah.
0: It's amazing about that movie that, ha, that with the cast that it has, and it was directed by Steven Spielberg. And I think I've made this point before. It's one of those things that if you take all of your favorite ingredients and make a soup out of it, the soup is going to be terrible.
1: Then that's it's going to be un uh, underwhelming at the very least. Yeah. So. But, yeah, yeah, that's what you get. And it's too bad because if you go back and watch it now, you know, without the hype that was attached to it when it was released, it has some moments of, like, genuine hysterical um, funny.
0: All right, so the Battle of Los Angeles may be a ridiculous story, yeah. but... Speaking of battles... But I have this one. Are you ready for this? February 25th, 1751, a young man, a young ambitious man in New York City is the is charging one shilling... For people to come see the first performing monkey. It's a two-foot-tall monkey, and he's tan- dancing and walking a tightrope. Come see the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> he he'd cost a shilling to go see that monkey. A shilling. Now, I don't know what, what the going rate of a shilling is these days, but I know, th- I don't know that was- you could pay 25 cents to see a tiger not all that long ago. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was actually it was uh it was uh, fifty years later Boston threw the second punch in this in this fight between New York and, and oh. Boston's rivalry for for best uh, animal based uh, peep show experience when they <laughs> exhibited a leopard as we talked about well, back on February second leopard yeah. where you'd only have to pay twenty five cents because by then the United States of America had its own money in seventeen fifty one it didn't like it probably was less than fifty years before New York was like oh a leopard eh well we've got two ocelots and they're gonna fight with one another and it cost a dollar six to get in and see that one and then probably three years later in boston is like ocelots huh you know we got we got a galapagos tortoise and and it's gonna eat this human child <laughs> and then a dollar
0: 50 and then it wasn't long after that that maine opened up its cryptozoology museum <laughs> Hey, we have the cryptozoology museum. You know what we have? Nothing actually <laughs> Not that you like. can look at. No, nothing.
1: <laughs> but we'll we have a lot of
0: action figures. We'll charge you nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yep, so
1: And it finally ended with the rivalry of New York and Boston. It ended of course with the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees and Times Squares prostitutes versus the combat zones prostitutes, and then both those areas got cleaned up and family friendly, and now now what? We need somebody with a leopard bill, leopard for twenty (laughs) five cents. Bring back or a monkey on a tightrope for a show. Bring
0: back the dancing monkeys. That's what I've been saying that for years. So you 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 get a lot of knowledge out of this podcast, uh, fair listeners. If you are ever wondering where the rivalry between the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees started, it all started with a dancing monkey.
1: It did, and the fact that Babe Ruth beat that dancing monkey with a with a thirty four inch baseball bat. No, (laughs) no,
0: just kidding.
1: (laughs) No, the curse of the Bambino. Ow.
0: Before the curse of the Bambino, there was the, the, the curse of Chico the monkey. Yep. <laughs>
1: Let's
0: move on to the 26th. Okay. February 26th,
1: 1998. I'm um, not sure what this one means, but maybe you do. Oprah Winfrey found not guilty of beef defamation <laughs> in a trial brought by Texas cattlemen. So that to me sounds like somebody put a bunch of words and Oprah Winfrey's name in a bag and just spilled them <laughs> out to make a sentence. <laughs> So I don't know what the hell a beef defamation trial is, and I don't know <laughs> I if do. the Texas Cattlemen is like an organization or a team. Okay, I
0: do. I do. I do know I do know right. this story. So, All right. So you remember like around that time mad cow disease was going around? Yes. <laughs> like especially like in England and whatever, right?
1: So Yeah, I, I remember that Crutch uh, Crutchfeld Jacobs disease is what it's called when humans get right. it. And it comes from cows eating cow byproducts. Yeah, terrible stuff.
0: <laughs> like in, in America, mad cow disease sounds different than in England. Because like in America, you just I, I just think of like angry, like pissed off cows. But in in England, it's like, they've gone mad. But anyway. They've gone insane. Yeah. So uh, the crazy cow disease was going around. Oprah Winfrey said on her show, well, I'm not going to be eating hamburgers for a while. And right after that, people stopped buying a lot of hamburg. And the the cattlemen blamed it on Oprah Winfrey talking smack about hamburgers. Oh
1: well, that makes way more sense than my theory, which was somebody stuck a bunch of words in a bag and dumped them out. Right, so right, yeah. yeah, that makes more sense. And I guess Oprah Winfrey's like range is a as an as inf- a well, she's in, in in 1989. There's no internet influencers, right? But there definitely were influencers on television,
0: right? And she was so one there's of Oprah them, yeah. saying
1: like, well, I certainly don't can eat another hamburger, and all of a sudden like people like fuck. Yeah. So, you know, this actually now as you describe it, it reminds me of a couple of other similar events. There was the ironically enough featuring T V personalities for the same thing, being influencers, right? Is where uh he didn't get sued, but Phil Donahue got caught fucking a rotisserie chicken and a
0: <laughs> I mean all that yeah. stuff notwithstanding. Uh, that that weird uh line to skate across, whether it's uh you know, libel or um Yeah, yeah. Uh what do they call that? Uh fair fair use kind of a deal or
1: well, no. It's, it's more like it's more it's liable yeah. for sure. If you if you're misrepresenting the a, a person or product or whatever, that's that's liable. It's like saying you know if you were to go on TV and and specifically say like Ford automobiles will kill you because of the the stories about the Pintos gas tank or mm-hmm. something. And it causes a significant loss of revenue for Ford because that's an unfounded commentary. You could be sued for that because that's that's a form of defamation. although it's not applied to a person.
0: Well, she wasn't found guilty anyway, but personally, I mean, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, (laughs) I mean, what she said, I'm not going to eat hamburgers for a while. I don't think that's uh, right. You know, if I said it, it wouldn't do anything, you know. It's just that she said. Well,
1: that, I mean, but that's the difference of, of being an influencer, right? Imagine like people who are called influencers on YouTube today, like the ones that my kids are so excited with, or you get some guy like, what's his name? PewDiePie who starts to spout all kinds of like nonsense and and they, they see a spike because he has such a huge audience. He's able to take these ideas that are bad or, or earn some for other influencers that are good or whatever, and it has an impact on the business model for these things that they do. That's why you'll see that they, they're a lot more careful now with what they talk about and what, who sponsors them and stuff because they don't want to find themselves like Oprah Winfrey having to stand up in court and go, I just said I wasn't going to eat hamburger.
0: Yeah. All right, moving on to February the 27th, 2018. Boy, the weirdness just keeps on rolling uh 2018 uh your friend and mine barbara streisdan comes clean that she has cloned two of her dogs
1: <laughs> well no she cloned her one oh, dog that's,
0: yeah well two of her, yeah that's, that's, two of her dogs different. are clones uh miss violet and miss scarlet are clones of her late dog sammy
1: well that makes sense i mean because sammy was probably house trained so she didn't want to have to do that again
0: <laughs> <laughs> listen barbara that's
1: that's not can how hear, cloning works. We, oh, it doesn't come out as like a full-grown dog that knows everything the old dog no. did? Oh, man. Science fiction's lied to me all these years. <laughs> well, then what the hell good is cloning? Just buy a different dog. I am, yeah, And I've seen yeah. pictures of her dog. You know what they look like? They look like every little white-ass dog <laughs> I've ever seen like that.
0: Here's where I support a maximum wage law. <laughs>
1: <laughs> half Pekingese and half floor mop. That's what it looks yeah. like.
0: Baba Streisand, I'm telling you right now, you have too much goddamn money.
1: Oh, rescue dogs, you say? Yeah. Well, I'll just clone mine.
0: Rescue dogs, that's for poor people. Purebreds, that's for really <laughs> poor people. I'm going to clone my dogs. I'm not sure if this is liable, but you're a crazy woman, okay? Babs, that's, uh, that's just nutty. It's a bit much. It's a bit much is what I'm telling you.
1: I, it's, I, I can imagine the conversations that must have gone around. I, I, I wonder, First of all, how do you do this? Do you do this at home? Like, does she have like a cloning lab in her house? Like, well, I've cloned a spider plant and I've cloned a chipmunk. Now I can clone my dog. Or does she have to go someplace and like some like place where supervillains come from that have cloning programs for, for mammals and don't have the ethical issues with like, oh, sure, we'll clone your dog and potentially cause the death of all humanity. <laughs>
0: Why not? I, I have a larger question. Who didn't try to talk her out of this? You know what I mean? Babs, you got no good friends. Because somebody should have tried to talk you out of this.
1: This should have written Neil Diamond. He should have like, hey, Babs, I've got got another song for us to do.
0: You don't bring me flowers. You don't clone your stupid dog.
1: (laughs) But my old dog didn't shit on the floor. And a rescue dog will have to be trained all the way.
0: That's not the way cloning works, you tit. (laughs) <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's wrap it up on the 28th. <laughs> February 28th,
1: 1883. This is only peripherally about February 28th, 1883, just so you know that, everybody. Uh, in 1893, Edward Atchison of Pennsylvania patents an abrasive he names carborundum, silicon carbide. Ooh. Bill and I know this substance because we both went through machine shop in high school. Bill is still a machinist.
0: I still work with carbide every day.
1: Still, still works with carbide every day, silicon carbide. In, in machine shop, we had a guy, a super... Um, a uh, substitute teacher named named Mr. Prastek. Who oh was my God! The as most, old as machine tools.
0: The most dangerous man in show business.
1: Yeah, how he still had nine fingers, I don't know.
0: <laughs> uh, that guy was like a million years old. We used he, to call him. Pras- he was Prastek the yes. Aztec. Yeah.
1: There was a day I was a I think I was a sophomore and we were working on cutting. I think we were going to mill stainless steel or we we're going to cut stainless steel in a lathe. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, we need." We need the right kind of tool for this. And me being dumb was like, okay, can't use tool steel? And he goes, ah, that was the noise he made. Ah, (laughs) ah. And then he went and he got this thing. And in one hand, he's got a little, it looks like tool steel, but it's got a diamond tip. Yep. He says, diamond cutter, hardest substance on earth. Very expensive. We have to be careful with this. And then he says, carborundum. We can use this if the diamond doesn't work. And I'm thinking to myself, if the diamond is the hardest substance on earth that is very expensive, how can it not work? And then, Prazdeck the Aztec takes the diamond bit and says, I just have to sharpen it. At which point, even at 13 years old, my brain said, you can't do that on a grinding wheel. (laughs) And he put the diamond against the grinding wheel and it ripped the diamond out of the housing that was in and flung it at the ceiling. (laughs) So it vanished. And he looked into this empty tube where the diamond used to be. And he said, well, I guess we'll have to use the carborundum. And I looked at him and I said, this man is going to get me killed. And then I watched him fumble fumble around with carborundum for like half an hour until Mr. Rogers.
0: Oh, Jesus, yeah. Mr.
1: Rogers came over and he goes, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) To me, and I said, Mr. Prostak is helping me with carborundum. He goes, oh, for the love of, give me that. (laughs) And he just goes, go go work over there. Go to the tool crib. So I went to the tool crib and then he yelled at Mr. Prostak for... I don't know how
0: long. We'll put a helmet on, yeah. Probably won't make a lot of sense to people that are not familiar with uh, machine shop stuff. But I just remember him, He we, we were cutting steel, just regular steel, with a quarter-inch end mill. And he's like, oh, quarter-inch? Oh, you, you can just bury that. And he's just like, he's cranking the the, the handles on the machine just like, like, like and it's yep. making all this noise. Smoke right, is... No. Smoke is... No frozen. coolant. Yeah. It, right? Even though there's no oil on it, smoke is still coming out of it. Right? Yeah. Uh, Mr. Prastic, you want to put some, like, coolant on that? Ah! <laughs> and, and then, like, the cutter and what he's cutting welded to each other. Welled they just... Together. Yeah, yeah, they just froze. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Carborundum,
1: everybody. 1893. <laughs> All let right.
0: right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's go on to the celebrity birthdays. Boy, you you thought the topics were lame. Wait till you get to the birthdays. Uh, Although the first day is actually really cool. February the 22nd, 1953. British comedian Nigel Planner. Who my fine feathered friends may or may not know as Neil from the bombastic sitcom The Young Ones.
1: I always liked him. He's so monumentally boring.
0: Uh, Again, one of my favorite types of comedians, the straight man. Neil on The Young Ones was always the butt of the jokes. He talked, uh, his character and Nigel Planner himself, his delivery was very slow. Um, You know, he played a hippie. All right, moving on. February
1: 23rd, 1932, Majel Barrett, the actress and uh, wife of Gene Roddenberry, she was also the producer on Star Trek, Star Trek The Next Generation, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, I think, and had roles on all of those shows. She was the first choice for the, the character of number one on the original Star Trek in the pilot episode. And she played uh, Nurse Chapel ultimately on the classic series. She was the voice of the computer on all of the... Different versions of Star Trek, and she played uh, Counselor Troy's mom on the Next Generation. She's been in everything. Oh wow! She's a she was a great actress, and 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 really interesting to uh, to see her interweave herself into Star Trek as such a foundational uh, character.
0: A couple of episodes ago, I had made a statement that I have never watched a single episode of Star Trek ever. But I have actually remedied that and I've watched a big whopping three episodes now of the original series. Yep. And uh, no, it's been pretty good. I like it.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a fun show. It really is. It's, uh holds up well. Yeah.
0: Moving on to the 24th, 1950. This guy is b-b-b-bad to the b b Mr. George.
1: As you can see him at your local b-b-b-bowling alley. <laughs>
0: all the, right an uh, the Delaware Destroyer himself, Mr. George Thurgood. Uh, just your classic, you know, kind of early mtv rocker didn't really have an outstanding haircut wore sunglasses you know it was one of those things like we were talking about a couple weeks ago with the jay giles band he doesn't he doesn't really stand out but he doesn't not stand out either you know what i mean and make all the you know local carnival jokes you want about george darogun you know what i'm willing to bet that even in 2021 a George Thoreau good show would be fun. I bet you he put I bet it would. I bet he puts on a fun show.
1: I bet he does, and I bet he played Bad to the Bone two times. Yeah, yeah. What do
0: you think he closed with? Yeah. All
1: right, moving on. February 25th, 1949. Bill, this one's for you. Uh Rick Flair.
0: Woo!
1: Professional wrestler, yes, yeah, born in Memphis, Tennessee.
0: To be the man, you gotta beat the man. Uh, Ric Flair is absolutely my favorite wrestler of all time, and my second favorite wrestler is Roddy Piper. I got to meet Roddy Piper, I got to meet him some years ago, and let me tell you, my interaction meeting Roddy Piper was the not only the best wrestling sub- interaction I've ever had, it was my best celebrity interaction. The guy was just wow. phenomenal, just awesome. So. Uh, about six months later, I had the opportunity to meet Ric Flair. And I was super psyched because I thought he was going to be just as awesome as Roddy Piper. And he was not. I not (laughs) I did not have a good Ric Flair experience. He wasn't a jerk. He was just very short. And this is the worst thing ever. Okay. Keep in mind, this is in the, uh, this is in the days before, uh, Corona. I get up to the desk, you know, I got my thing to for him to autograph and all that stuff. Right before, right before I get there, he sneezes in his hand, just, you. And then he sticks out his hand for a handshake and I look him right in the eyes and go, wow, that just happened, huh? And then I, sh- <laughs> <laughs> and then I shook his damn hand. <laughs>
1: oh, no way! <laughs>
0: yeah, I... Oh, that's nasty. Yeah, I, did, I didn't have a good Ric Flair day, but... Uh, I got a, okay. I have an awesome picture of him and I together doing the full horseman sign, so. All right, moving on to the 26th. February 26th, 1852. John Harvard Kellogg. Yes, that Kellogg. He was a surgeon, but he also invented cornflakes.
1: Hey, that's right. That was during the great uh, 1852 anti-masturbation medical Fad of 1852, starting with John Harbor Kellogg. Yeah, uh,
0: John Kellogg invented corn flakes and marketed them as something as a that'll way to
1: keep young men from touching their bleakers.
0: Yeah, this'll keep your kids from whacking off. As a person that loves both <laughs> cornflakes and masturbation, I can tell you firsthand, haha, <laughs> that does not work.
1: It's just, it's just as someone also in that same category of people, Bill. Yep. I say the same thing. However, fruit loops
0: <laughs> easy nothing i got nothing you can't say that anymore i can't
1: i got nothing i'm not saying that they make it so i can't but there's a correlation correlation is not causation as uh. we learned from yeah so kellogg was an interesting guy he was a quack um <laughs> even though he was a surgeon and he believed that you could cure like wounds and stuff if you if you ran running cold spring water pure water over them and he, he killed a bunch of people with gangrene from, from that and or cut off their limbs. There's a great movie based on his life called The Road to Wellville, which is worth checking out, where he had a spa where people went to, like, I don't know, learn how to not masturbate and or get their legs healed from getting cuts.
0: Between that and the polio vaccine, we've come a long way, haven't we? I mean, we're, we're over there, Curie Masturbation with Breakfast Cereal. Which is just a, <laughs> which is just a weird sentence to say out loud, you know, one step above leeching each other for disease control. Right, right, right. Uh, and
1: then uh, and then to give it away, the polio vaccine. Yeah, so good. let me ask you a question, there, Bill yes. Kellogg. When you eat your anti-masturbatory cornflakes, do you put
0: sugar on them? Of course. Yeah. You whore. <laughs> you, you're a whore person. All right. Moving on to the twenty seventh.
1: February twenty seventh, two seventy two. Only three three numbers. Wow! Constantine the Great, the Roman Emperor. Oh, wow. he was he was born in in Nacis, died in three thirty seven. So did not live a super long time. But then I guess that was pretty long for two seventy two to three
0: thirty seven. He's the reason for the season.
1: Yeah, it was Constantine who who had a dream that if he had followed a Christian standard into battle at this next day that he was at a battle at the Milvin Bridge, he would win. And he said that if he won the battle, he would convert. He won the battle. And he converted, and he converted the entire empire, kind of at one time. Yep, that must have been a shock. So,
0: what, so. yeah, from what I remember of uh, you know reading a, and podcasts and all that about this, the history of this man is you know he's the, the emperor at the time. Most of his you know, underlings or his, uh, his people were pagan. But Christianity was like this hot up-and-coming religion. And he knew that he would basically end up, you know, with his, his empire in shreds if he didn't do something. So he merged the two religions, which is why all of the Christian holidays kind of coincide with, like, for example, Christmas is right at the uh, winter solstice, Uh Easter, which is best, you know, what does Easter have to do with Christianity? Nothing. That the word is Esther, and it, you know, coincides with the spring equinox, whatever. Yeah, he kind of just like, you know, like station from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, just smashed it together and made one big religion. Out of. All right, and wrapping it up on the twenty eighth, February the twenty eighth, nineteen fifty five. The man with the most distinct voice ever, Gilbert Gottfried.
1: Yeah, funny dude. Yeah. Very funny guy.
0: Very, very, very funny guy. I got to see him live probably about four or five years ago. Uh, we were right in the front, too. And I, I, I spent, you know, a good hour just almost crying, uh, laughing. Almost A lot of his stuff is like the kind of humor you don't really hear anymore. A lot of, uh, you know, controversial and ethnic jokes yeah. and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, definitely has that old schooler
0: routine. Right. <laughs> he does a great impersonation of Groucho Marx, but he doesn't do Groucho Marx from like the Marx Brothers movies. And, or even Groucho Marx from You Bet Your Life. He does it from like late stage, 1970s Groucho Marx telling stories about his life. This like really old sounding Groucho Marx. It's it's hilarious. Yeah. Have you ever heard Groucho Marx's song Hooray from Captain Spaulding? Do you know that song? No. All right. Not that I remember. Oh, it, It's a great song, but Gilbert Gottfried does a cover of it. And Gottfried's cover of it, honestly, is... <laughs> The Worst Song Ever. All right, young Jeff, what is our contender for the worst song ever this week?
1: Uh, Our song this week is a terrible, terrible song. Of course it is. It comes to us from 1973, but until researching for this week, I did not realize it was a remake. The song that we're going to talk about, and then we'll talk about the origin of it, is... Seasons in the Sun by Canadian crooner turned environmental activist Terry Jacks. So
0: that was the number one Jesus. song this week. Number
1: one song for 11, yeah, this week and for 11 additional weeks in 1973.
0: In, in addition to this song, Sucking Hard, this song is like i have asked this question before about a number of other songs it's like why do you want to listen to this song this song is apparently about a guy on his deathbed you know saying goodbye to his wife and his daughter you know before he croaks it's like and his best friend too yeah who's
1: been hanging around with his
0: wife yeah 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 that's that. that's where it all turns around um you, you hinted at this, and you called me up uh, you know yesterday or the day before, and you're like, hey, for worst song ever, we should do Seasons in the Sun this week. And I was like, all right, I, I know next to nothing about this song, so now I have to do research, right? I watched the video of, now who's the guy that sings it that we're talking about? Terry Jacks. Okay, so I look up this like video of Terry Jacks. Hold on. Well, well before we go any further, let's play the clip.
1: When all the birds are singing in the sky now that the spring is in the air Pretty girls are everywhere Think of me and I'll be there
0: We had joy, we had fun, we had seasons in the sun But the hills that we climbed were just seasons out of time Right Terry Jackson, This in the video, he looks like you could shrink him down and clean your ears out with him. He looks like somebody cosplaying Bob Ross. Yeah, he's just a mustache. yeah, he's just got this like ball of brown, like almost like teddy bear looking hair on top of his head, and it just goes like around from like his jowls and this perfect ball around his head, like like the. Asshole helmets from Spaceballs, only thing brown and, and furry.
1: <laughs> like my, my microphone pop screen. Yeah. <laughs> Put a little googly eyes on it and <laughs> I've got a Terry Jacks action figure.
0: So I looked up the, the like the, the song and then I find out that it's a cover. and it's, it's originally in French, right? And yes. the original song wasn't as morose as a cover. Yeah. Uh, uh, in the original story, the guy is not dying of leukemia or whatever. He's dying of a broken heart. Be- right. because he found out his wife was cheating on him with like his best friend the lyrics were all in French, but i'm just imagining like translated it would be like we had joy we had fun i put bullets in my gun <laughs> hit the bricks there's the door go pounce and you cheating whore <laughs> uh, well, the original say your warm. prayers it's time to die <laughs>
1: La <laughs> Moribond by by Jacques Brel was was really really popular in France in 1961. He was like the most he was like the Elvis of France. He was Frelvis. Elvis, <laughs> French Elvis. La Elvis, La Elvis, uh, I only weigh seven pounds because I'm made entirely of nicotine, but that's okay. I got the honky honky but they love. They released the song La Moribond, and it's super catchy. It's like tuk, 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 It's like got this really like strange. Fast, blood of happy, jaunty beat yeah. for a song about a guy who's dying of old age. Yeah,
0: it's got like a marching oh. beat to it, yeah.
1: Uh, Rod McEwen adapted the lyrics, translated and adapted the lyrics, and then it was produced and performed by the Kingston Trio. You, know, you may not know them if you don't follow like old-school, like classic American folk, oh, like whoa. pre-rock and roll folk even. So what do I know? You know? These are the guys who did like
0: Tom Dooley and... Why do I know the Kingston Trio? You,
1: you'd know them if you heard them. I'm sure. Because it's, it's three guys who sing old folk songs. Anyway, they did... The Rod McEwen version of Seasons in the Sun. And then Terry Jacks, bought, I guess, bought the rights to it.
0: For a shilling. For a shilling. Yep. You could have bought a monkey show for that kind of money.
1: <laughs> That's right. He tried to get the Beach Boys to record it. And I guess this is right at the height of um, of Brian Wilson being absolutely out of his mind. <laughs> so he could never get the tape finished. He kept wanting to add things to it. And finally he's like, I, I can't do this with you guys. And he left and he recorded it himself. And it became a giant, monstrous hit. What's kind of cool about that aspect of this song, though, is like, even though he wrote, he rewrote the, like, the last, I think the last part of the lyrics to modernize it and to call out the leukemia or whatever it is, he made some minor edits to it. He didn't take a songwriting credit. He let the songwriting credit stay with Rod McEwen. So the song made a, made a trillion million bajillion space dollars, and Rod McEwen's estate, Rod McEwen himself, got a bunch of it because the song was so popular.
0: I wouldn't have admitted to writing any of that either myself (laughs)
1: right no i found this song i found it in a box there was a (laughs) leopard and it fight me i wanted to fight but i won and that's how i ended up with seasons in the sun
0: so speaking of murder earlier today we were talking about a murder of crows a flock of sheep a school of fish now what do we call a group of seagulls a group of Good. Frogs and or a group of monkeys.
1: I'm gonna guess they all have the same grouping. No, no name? they actually don't. The no, nope, they don't. All right, so ask me one at a time, slow, and I'll give you my best answer. All right,
0: so from now on, listeners, whenever you hear somebody bring up the band A Flock of Seagulls, you can say, <laughs> "Well, actually." A group of seagulls is called a colony.
1: No, I, I, don't tell me the oh, answer. i, I got to oh, guess no, the you, answer you
0: first. You can guess the next two. So uh, a group of seagulls is called a colony. What is a group of frogs called?
1: I was going to call a f- group of frogs a colony, Bill, but you stole <laughs> it and applied it to seagulls. Oh, the f- I'm going to have to go with my second guess, which is a holy sht look at all those
0: frogs. Um, no, but whenever you you hear what if they are called, you're instantly going to say to yourself, Holy shit, look at all those frogs. Because it's called See? it's called an army. An army of frogs.
1: An army of frogs, yes. Holy shit. Look at all those ah! frogs. They're
0: coming. Just a bunch of armies that's just coming over the freaking hill.
1: It's 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 the
0: Ribbit brigade. <laughs> Run! All right, and they're hopping after me. and this one is gonna make so much sense when you find out what it's called. What is a group okay. of monkeys called? It's a group of monkeys. I'll give you a hint. A circus. I'll give you a hint. It's fun. It's fun. A barrel. It is. It's a barrel of monkeys. Look at that. I got one. Yep. When it, more fun
1: than a barrel of monkeys.
0: Uh, people kind of say it wrong. Sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, it's more fun than a barrel full of monkeys uh, because of the game. But that's not the, the, the cliche. The cliche is more fun than a barrel of monkeys because a group of monkeys wow. is called a barrel. Ain't that something? More fun
1: than a drunken orgy of ostriches. <laughs> that's what I
0: like. So if you have like a good 30 or 40 shilling, you could buy yourself a barrel wow. of monkeys.
1: And make them walk a tightrope, the sons of bitches.
0: <laughs> the sons of simians. All right, but that's going to wrap up the show for this week. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week. Say goodnight, Jeff. Good night, Jeff. Bye, guys. Special thanks to James Cosser for our theme music. Thank you so much for listening to Twibley. This week was way better last year. You can follow and or message us over on Instagram or on Facebook at T-W-W-W-B-L-Y. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Make sure you tell your friends if you like our show. And if you don't like our show, tell your friends you did like it. It'll be a great prank you can play on them. Have a good week, guys.